everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unpublished. We have a guest today, someone who's actually very close to Amy and I, a former roommate of ours, actually, which is probably his highest credential, I would say. <laughs> um, but in actual fact, uh, we're talking about NFTs and sort of blockchain ch- technology generally. And we just happen to have had an, a wonderful friend who is himself an expert. Are you comfortable with us calling you an expert, Henry? <laughs> uh, sure, let's do it. Okay, who is very knowledgeable and has worked in this sort of areas before. Henry is a lawyer. He's worked for um, Kingwood Mallisons in uh, Sydney, Australia. He is focusing predominantly in the areas of fintech, blockchain, and big data. He has just finished his master's in political political philosophy at uh, LSE with a focus on political and ethical challenges of transformative technologies. Very impressive sounding. Um, And he has recently accepted a job with the Cambridge Centre for Alternative Finance, working on a regulatory innovation project. So basically, that is long and the short of that is that Henry has a lot of experience dealing with um, financial innovation, which is exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about NFTs. Yeah. So there's no one better to ask than Henry about what the fuck is an NFT for anyone who's confused. Yay. Thanks, Hen. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to rebut anything there or do you want to come back at anything there? I'm just reading what you told me. You can't say that. You can't tell them that I write. Sorry. Right. <laughs> no. Really, peep behind the curtain. Um, oh, sorry. I forgot the part you said where, oh, and he's a super handsome genius. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but you did, you did leave out a few things, actually. Yeah, really hard. funny genius. What a history. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you for having me. It's, it's great to be here and great to, to chat with you, but it's quite <laughs> surreal, actually. But very nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Hen, tell, tell us about NFTs. What, what is an NFT? Sure. Uh, so NFT, I think, at its most basic, is, is really just a, a digital certificate, certificate of ownership um, for, for a virtual asset. Um, so I think NFTs are like individual sort of digital files that are embedded with, with a unique code um, or, or a token, uh, basically. And then that token can then be exchanged on a blockchain or, or, or otherwise, uh, which allows you to have a, a sort of traceable record. Um, of ownership of, of that particular digital file. And so th- there is no limit to, to uh, the types of digital files that, that can be uh, sort of tokenized in, in this way. And then those tokens uh, can then be traded and exchanged uh, most typically um, on, on, on a blockchain, um, which, which in itself ha- has, uh, or is it probably in need of, of some level of explanation? But that's I, kind yeah. of the yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I think I, the idea here is... Um, I'm going to be the one that asks, the questions that most of us are going to really need answering, which are things like, what is blockchain? Like, I'm just going to be saying what a lot. Yeah, and that's great. Now, James always tries to tell me what blockchain is. Like, he's tried to explain it to me multiple times. And, like, I vaguely get it. Every time he explains it to me, I get it a tiny bit more. But Henry... Hey, Amy, do you want to have an attempt at explaining? Why don't you have an attempt? Yeah, maybe Amy to start. What do you think? we'll come in. (laughs) So cruel. I think you didn't do a great Okay, thing. blockchain is like like an Excel spreadsheet, kinda. kinda. Like it's like a big yeah, place well. for data. Wait, everyone like it's like a <laughs> <laughs> everyone <laughs> says yes and agrees on it and it's there. You know? Henry, why don't you jump in there? <laughs> I think it was yeah, actually pretty good. good. I think that's a good start. Yeah. Actually, I have a um one of my old bosses had a had a great explanation for blockchain that i think will you will like a lot actually but okay. and you might need to help me out with the 
the exact reference. But so in Harry Potter, right, there's a, a oh, diary. Oh, I like this already. <laughs> there's a, a diary or, uh, where when they write in it, it, it sort of appears somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, in the Chamber of Secrets, <laughs> Voldemort's diary, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it appears in multiple places at, at once. Oh, uh, maybe that's not what he's talking about. I, really, I, should, I, should, I should investigate this in a bit. But uh, this is where Henry... <laughs> I thought, Amy's very knowledgeable about what area here, Harry Potter, and Henry's very knowledgeable about blockchain, and the uh, intersection is... We need to keep the intersection. Well, why don't you... So you imagine an, a magical diary. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah imagine a, mag- a magical diary, uh, which yeah. may or may not be in the world of Harry Potter. Let's put it in yeah. the world of Harry Potter anyway. Good. Um, so blockchain is really a subset of, of distributed ledger technology and distributed ledger technology uh, is just a digital record of ownership um, which is maintained by multiple computer nodes within a network um, all at the same time uh, so basically i think an excel spreadsheet is actually a good a good starting point um, when you think about blockchain so it's just like you've got your excel spreadsheet and, it, and it's just lines of, of of code and entries into this ledger recording uh, ownership and recording transfers. So everything's documented in this one Excel spreadsheet. Um, and, and that in itself is, is quite uh, revolutionary. But then blockchain, uh, what, what it allows you to do is for that, that ledger to be maintained by multiple nodes within a computer network um, simultaneously. So they all have the same, the same ledger. And the truly revolutionary aspect is that there's no need for a, th- a trusted third party or intermediary um, to to actually maintain or oversee that ledger. So it does it yeah. all independently and it does that using sort of um, very clever sort of cryptography. That, that was kind of the, the revolution of, of, of Bitcoin was like we can create this ledger of ownership of money um, without needing a trusted third party. So without needing a, a sort of reserve bank or a treasury to kind of uh, maintain a financial payment system and, and to record, um, you know, who owes who what, all mm. that. All those um, ownerships and transfers can be recorded on a single ledger, which is maintained independently uh, by multiple computers without a third party. Yeah, cool. The magical book analogy died in the ass there, Henry. It did. It did. Your first podcast, you can't even maintain your uh, magical book technology. I know. As you, as you were talking, it, I re- was reminded of this great uh, explanation that my... I kind of get what you were trying to say. Like the writing on the book then goes to everywhere, somewhere else. It's like it's like there are a million books, and you write into it once, and, and it your li- your line gets books. preserved, and everyone else's books agrees on what your what your line says. Yes, which my boss seemed fairly confident was something that happened in Harry Potter, <laughs> and he used that as the analogy. And I thought I trust you. I, 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 I trust your your old boss. He's a, he's a children's author, isn't he? Have should have him on the podcast. <laughs> he was partner in a law firm and children's author. He is definitely what? worthy of the title of expert. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe next time he can come explain where I went wrong. <laughs> All right, cool. So where were we? Where were we? Blockchain. Yeah. So we've expi- so we've explained blockchain. Basically, like you don't. I feel like you don't. If if you're confused by blockchain, that's fine. I can take. It can take. <laughs> quite a few swings to get your head around blockchain but all you've got to, got to understand as henry explained earlier is that blockchain is it the reason blockchain is a revolutionary technology is it allows you to essentially have scarcity on the internet because before people could just would you agree with that henry like before people could kind of just copy and paste anything they wanted to and like it was really hard to find a way to have actually ownership of things properly on the internet i think that's right so i think uh, obviously that the first iteration of blockchain was was really bitcoin um and bitcoin was was focused on 
uh, basically creating a, a digital payment um, system that, that could facilitate exchange of digital payments. It, it's since progressed into other areas. So, so things like Ethereum are programmable blockchains. So they basically allow you to deploy um, code basically and smart contracts onto the, the blockchain system so that you can run programs and files. And so with that comes the ability, like you say, um, James, to, uh, <clears throat> um, to to be able to track ownership much better, right? Because you, you can literally tokenize the assets that you care about. So you can tokenize any digital file. You could tokenize um, the, the file from this podcast discussion. Yes, uh, and, you, you could, and you could put it on onto, onto the blockchain. And, and you're right. I, th- I think one of the big and very interesting use cases is being able to track sort of provenance and, and ownership, um, which you can do through the blockchain because it, it's an unalterable ledger. And so, yeah, I think that is definitely a very valuable yeah. use case. You want to go first, Ian? I want to ask a question. I'm sorry if it derails That's totally the question. Yeah. And I'm sorry that I am still really ignorant about this, Hen. But as you were just saying, you could tokenize a podcast. Like, can you tokenize any file? Like, it doesn't have to just be art. Like, you know, for what we're looking at with NFTs, it doesn't just have to be like an image or a JPEG. You can tokenize anything. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Basically, um, cool. I mean the infrastructure. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 it would require someone to build the infrastructure, right? I mean, I don't know if it 100% exists for any file already, but it's possible for someone to build the infrastructure to to have any file. Exactly. Yeah. That's my exactly. understanding. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, no, if you, if you wanted to invent a new file format and you couldn't just magically put it on a on a blockchain oh, to, right. to, to develop an interface, but you could to develop that interface. Yeah. Is my once again is my layperson's understanding of it. Yeah, you're basically just embedding embedding the token within the digital file, uh, and then that that um, and then that digital file can itself then be exchanged and, and sort of facilitate like moved around, uh, transferred ownership on on the blockchain itself. So n- nothing's stopping you from taking a screenshot of the file or even doing a, a, a Apple or you know Control V on the uh, Control C Control V on the file. It's just that when you do that, you won't get the special token in the core and the heart of the file, right? Totally, you're, you're missing, you're missing that important core. Yeah, and I think that's that's the the really interesting question around around NFTs, and I'm sure we'll we'll get into this more. Is it like like you say, Ames, you can tokenize uh, basically any digital file, assuming that the, the sort of as James says that the necessary infrastructure is there to allow you mm. to do that. Um, but doing that for for a lot of things is is just fairly redundant, right? Like a lot yeah. of things you don't have. There's no issue um, with sort of uh, proving ownership and 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 being able to track movements of this asset, like like like, and and I, I find the whole idea of sort of tokenizing memes and and stock images rather bizarre mm. because these aren't these aren't these these are non like these aren't non these are non rivalrous goods. Sorry, so they're they're not like my use doesn't affect your use in any way. So the idea yes, that I can prove yeah. ownership of of it and then lay claim to or, or have some special claim to it. Is fairly redundant, and if you think about your book, for example, um, Amo or mm. something like that, like so, you, you have copyright protection when you when you create that piece of work. Yeah, uh, enforcing that copyright protection probably, I mean, I, I don't know, but probably isn't like you've never had an instance where you've had to prove that you actually own this work, no, I've uh, and that, that like trying to lay claim to ownership of a digital file, um, and and so for me that they're tokenizing something like that. Uh, mm. Is is still somewhat of a novelty. I think there are better use cases for for NFTs yeah. rather than like, let's just in, tokenize every every asset class, every digital asset class, and then facil- allow them to be exchanged on on the on the blockchain yeah. or online. 
Yeah, this is a really interesting conversation um, that uh, when we talk about NFTs, like artists, particularly visual artists, photographers, you know, painters, um, even like videographers and people who make film, like they have pro- actual problems with copyright. And even just taking something that happened to me recently, one of my little love notes that I just put on Instagram, you know, it's literally just a picture of something I've written went viral. And I, I just, I lost control of it. Like they cropped out me. So like you, it couldn't be attained to me. Like, and I, it's everywhere. Oh. It still is everywhere. I see it everywhere. And there's no, I mean, I'm not angry about it, but like, there's just no laying claim to it in any way. And I think when artists hear about NFTs, they get excited at the prospect of being able to protect their work in a way that they haven't before. But then I think it's hard to understand how an NFT could protect your work when you can still copy and paste or, you know, screenshot it and share it um, yeah. still. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do you have a view on that, James? I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I, I tend to agree that uh, it doesn't, I mean, you're dealing again with these non-rivalous goods and, and goods yeah. that can be sort of infinitely replicated. So it's just lines of code. Yep. Um, can be infinitely replicated. The idea that you can embed and tokenize one particular one, mm-hmm. uh, it, it doesn't solve uh, copyright problems. It doesn't yeah. solve all the issues. Um, it's not a panacea, um, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I want to sort of, maybe 13 minutes of the podcast, I just said this earlier, but I'm agnostic over the technology. I, I mean, I'm interested in it and I'm excited about it, by it, but I don't by any means think it's going to be some kind of um, panacea for, you know, it's going to open up some kind of amazing new realm for artists. I, I mean, maybe it will, but I, I'm not confident it will, but I think it could be an interesting extra way for artists to maybe take some extra ownership and earn some more money, which, mm. you know, is, it would be a great thing for artists. My view is that um, while, yes, absolutely, someone can just copy your design and put it on a T-shirt or something, um they can't there's a human desire to be the owner of the thing Mm. and i think that's essentially and i've used this argument before i'm interested to see what you if you have a counter argument henry because i feel like maybe you will but you can make a print of a picasso but only one person can own the real picasso um Mm. and it's quite easy and cheap to make a print make a print of a picasso nowadays Uh, maybe it wasn't you know 100 200 years ago or i mean what's maximum it could have been only been um when did Picasso die? I have no idea. You know, 50 years ago. Let's just be safe. Um, and it may be more expensive back then, but now it's very cheap to make a print. But only one person can own the real Picasso, and that's the one that actually goes for a lot of money. And I think mm. that's my view of how digital art may proceed if it if it becomes more accepted. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what yeah. you're there. I, I mean, similar to you, I'm, I'm agnostic. I think a lot of the use cases in this, this area are probably a, a little bit overblown. Um, mm. I think... So one one slight pushback on on the Picasso analogy, I think, is that um, the difference between the Picasso is that that's that's an, a very astute um, art critic or, or sort of art expert could could distinguish between mm. an original Picasso and a print of a Picasso. Uh, that wouldn't be possible if if all you're talking about is these sort of zeros and ones, and you're you're just dealing mm. with a digital file which can be. Uh, perfectly replicated um, such that it's indistinguishable. Uh, I don't think that that, it, that that analogy holds perfectly. Yeah. Um, it, what that I may, um, sorry. I agree with you. Sorry, I agree with you. Um, and I think maybe that it may point to the idea that maybe an original digital artwork maybe potentially won't have the same markup you would have between a print and a Picasso. Mm. In Once the market figures itself out, you know, but yeah. potentially that sort of that point of difference might still create, I mean, tangible physical art will always have to be at a premium potentially. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, yeah, that's I, a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about that point. I think there are there are a few. Um, so what is exciting, and what I think maybe isn't talked about as much, is that NFTs allow sort of content creators to obviously mark ownership of their assets, but you can also do more interesting and exciting things with with smart contracts as well. So you can allow them to sort of build in uh, when into the digital file ha- how it can actually be monetized, how it can be used, and I think. That, that level of control is, is really interesting. And as the sort of back-end infrastructure gets more and more advanced, then content creators will have the ability to, to potentially control how this file gets used and, and actually monetize it directly even, which I think is, is very interesting and potentially quite revolutionary. Um, that because sounds at the really moment, cool. Yeah, because at the moment, I think the problem that you have is, is even if... Um, so, so just taking a step back, I think the whole revolutionary aspect of, of blockchain technology is that you cut out the need for a third-party intermediary, right? So it's it's, it's decentralizing ownership, um, decentralizing sort of control, and, and that that in itself is, is really the, the revolutionary piece here. I think the problem that you have with things like NFTs at the moment is that they still go... Th- through sort of centralized markets, right? So you have mm. so you have these centralized markets that then are still taking a clip, like performing like an Amazon style function. They're still taking a clip, determining what gets seen uh, and who who like who can earn money from from their art and their their creations. And that I think is is sort of stifling or inhibiting it from from its yeah. real like ideologically driven uh, revolutionary. Yeah. Um, Underpinnings. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because all of crypto is, I mean, it was sort of founded by these techno libertarian anarchists almost, like, and it's sort of been slowly and slowly co opted by, I mean, more and more traditional financial um, companies. And, uh, you know, for example, you know, Coinbase just went public, which is the biggest, well, not the biggest, but it's, it's probably the most popular cryptocurrency exchange or the most yeah. well known cryptocurrency exchange. It's just like, um, as the world gets hold of these technologies, the original vision and what makes it really unique kind of gets chipped away a little bit, which is, I think, a good thing in my view. Like, I think, I mean, I'm not an anarchist, so I don't really prescribe to the idea that um, for it to be useful, blockchain or cryptocurrency has to be purely peer-to-peer. I think there can be, you know, you can form corporations around it and you can form businesses around it and that's totally fine. Um, I guess that is just to say that, like, I don't know... What is your view? Does it diminish that it at all? That these do you think it diminishes that, that these marketplaces exist, or is it just sort of like a useful service? And, and is it just better to have? Is it because people aren't going to want to put the time into mm. figuring out how to actually send to write a smart contract and send code mm. to each other? I think it's just like oh, you're almost just paying people to do that service for you. And it's kind of yeah, a good I think thing. it will always be always be kind of necessary, particularly in the earliest stages. So if we are moving to a more decentralized world. Um, sort of centralized control of this uh, facilitating architecture and infrastructure is, is kind of inevitable. Um, so I think you, you mm. could view it as just a step along the process. But I'd, I'd be interested also to hear, uh, Amo, what, what you think about this um, as, as an author and creator, because I think that what to achieve what people are really excited about with NFTs, which I think is like uh, being able to prove ownership, but then also giving power and control back to the artists and the original creators and not having them rely on an intermediary. You can mm-hmm. kind of achieve that with like, there are now platforms where people can upload sort of films and movies and, and basically get paid directly per play of their, um, of their film, or you could like yeah. sell, sell your book independently. 
like like you are, but like things like that are it, it's more of a business model change, right? It's like it's like these platforms are facilitating uh, the end goal and and almost uh, independently of of these NFTs, and that that I think gets you to the same place yeah, uh, that I think a lot of content creators want to get to. But yeah, interested to hear what you. They're just like yeah, it would be good to have you know almost the what, what cryptocurrency offices cutting out Amazon, so Amazon's cut. So maybe maybe someone still gets a cut. Whoever set up this website, but it's just a bit or like. I mean, maybe we're living in a world where rather than giving Amazon 30% of everything of all our book sales, we give them, we give someone else 5% or 10%. I mean, mm. or, I mean, I think that, that would be a really cool, that would be really worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah. This is a really interesting. I mean, for me, like the less kind of gatekeeping that we have, the better, the less people that are in our way, like choose, like for us, when we made an NFT the other day and like we put it on, what did we put it on? Uh, we put it on OpenSea. And... Henry, you just witnessed me telling, giving Amy a mic check. Really annoys me, Henry. And he like points at the mic like, and he's Mike, like, speak Mike. into the mic. <laughs> I think Fuck. I'm a bit more gentle. Than that. I wonder what that was. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't pointing. I was like, Henry, get him. Sorry. If anyone missed that, I was pointing, like I was just pointing aggressively forward. Um. So like I... I'm interested as to whether like, you know, OpenSea and like what the platforms that we have to use in order to get our NFTs seen, like, are they just going to become big gatekeepers um, that are restricting artists and, and stratifying artists as to, you know, only the really famous artists can get into like the really good um, platforms or, you know, I reckon, I, mean? I reckon it'll be like, as Henry was saying, as I've touched on before, it's like the biggest artists like Beeple will get priority space on these platforms probably. Yeah. and you're gonna have to just like you have to do still you're still gonna have to market yourself you're still gonna yeah. have to um find a way to connect to your audience it's not going to be done for you yeah. it doesn't solve that problem at all in no. my view yeah i agree it doesn't um, seem like no, it solves that at all yeah I, I think that's right i think that's right and i think you will see um yeah i think it's it's unavoidable that this will blow out into into a bubble originally so you will get mm. um huge uh, people will overvalue a lot of a lot of these things as these exchanges come on people get very hyped up and excited about it um but what i think is what i think of the, the interesting use cases for nfts um perhaps we can we can briefly discuss that but what i think a really interesting use case for nfts that there are things in in the digital world like asset classes um where scarcity is actually uh, important, right? So if you think about like trading cards, like th- what gives a trading card its value is the fact that it's uh, like, you know, only one of it actually exists uh, mm. or there's a limited number of, the, of them that exist. Yeah, like only like, 100 first edition Charizards exist or something in Pokemon. Exactly. But but yeah. yeah, exactly. And then that's, that is what makes the game fun, right? So it makes the trading card game actually fun and enjoyable is the fact that, that you know that, that that card is is sort of unique and then you can you know, work out the probabilities of, of playing that card and, and success. Um, and I think if, if when you move those things into the online world, um, things like NFTs become really valuable because you can you can replicate things like trading card games online, uh, and you can yeah. only do that if you can if you can prove that this is a sort of one of a card, one of a kind card and and things like that. And I think also video games is is another. Um, really interesting application for things like like NFT. So it, you can facilitate exchange of different like items that you might find in a game, uh, and you can facilitate their sale. And you you can actually start building out a, a sort of micro economy and micro world online. But that's because the assets the assets that you're selling, like they they require scarcity. So like 
and and that actually improves your experience in the game. The fact that that these items are scarce and that you can sell them on, um, and that it can function like a real economy. And and similarly, things like trading cards are the same. It's like the game requires scarcity. Um, and so I think those things will be the, really the very cool. interesting applications for things like NFTs. Is that you? you it allows you to build um, in scarcity where previously we couldn't. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. I love that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how you transfer that over to the. I mean, obviously, video games is an incredible form of art, but like, how do you pull over that to like the so, creators? Well, I mean, I think. Um, for starters, we don't know where the technology is going to go. I think mm. the other thing is you don't know all the amazing systems that could be built. I mean, I don't want to be utop- too utopian about this, but I think the reason it's important for artists to understand this is one, you can you can make an NFT and sell it, but two, you know, what if it, what if it completely disrupts an industry that you are interested in working in? What if it um, provides you an opportunity and, and you're kind of behind the eight ball and you and you're not really engaged or interested in NFTs and suddenly you know you could have had an opportunity to do something incredible with a piece of art. Um, in the NFT space, and you know, it's so new right now. Like we couldn't imagine what the internet was going to do twenty years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. I think being on top of these technologies, and this is one that's a bit more relevant to artists than like traditional cryptocurrency would mm. be. Um, it's, it's touching on artist domains a little bit more than traditional cryptocurrency. Also, I mean, yeah. I know, I mean, you as an artist, you maybe you'll work on a maybe you'll work on designing video um trading cards. Yeah, and it's a huge cool. industry. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Can, and- I, can I go back, Henry, to something you were talking about before, and that I didn't quite understand? Sure. Very possible. When you were talking about um, the, like, fuck, come on, Amy. You're talking about how you can, like, program or, like, <laughs> come on, Amy, use your words. Smart contracts. Program. No, like, how you were saying with the NFTs, like, you can, like, program mm-hmm. in or code in, like, how you use them or something mm-hmm. before. Like, what, do you, how, what would that look like or how, what could that be? How do you mean? Yeah, so... Um, when we're sort of tokenizing assets and when we're deploying yeah. them on, onto the, the blockchain, as we're discussing with things like uh, Ethereum, where Ethereum was really an upgrade on, on the sort of Bitcoin blockchain is that it was programmable, right? So you, you can essentially embed code in, in these these tokens. Um, yes, yeah. One of a better better way of putting it. And, and in doing so, you, you can create um, sort of smart contracts, which are essentially just self-executing contracts, which will... Uh, yeah, which will execute um, on the occurrence of certain predefined triggers, which you can embed yeah. in in the contract, right? So, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, you can embed in, in the code. Um, so it's a way of kind of encoding a sort of internal logic or law um, within the, the token itself. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to think of, of how... how like a, a very basic example is that um, you can already, if you mention an NFT on OpenSea or any of the platforms, you can already embed royalties into it so oh okay essentially yeah, cool. you're, you're embedding you into your nft the logic that if this is sold yeah. then pay 10 percent of the value to the original owner right who there made it every time it's sold it's a, that that is a smart contract that is programmable so you've programmed the nft to act in that way yeah exactly mm. and, okay, and i think yeah. that's really so that gives you an idea aim i think of where where this can go right so that you you have that very basic functionality in it at the moment uh, where, where OpenSea sort of allow you to, um, to you know, d- d- determine allocations of, of profit share in perpetuity and in, in the future. Yeah. Um, and if you, I mean, if you were an independent coder, which none of us are, you could t- theoretically encode any percentage. You could have, you know, I think OpenSea only lets you take 15% royalty, but you could encode, you know, 99.999% royalty on anyone who sells your, pro- your, 
exactly the rest of the rest and, of time. and you could you know you can you can put in prohibitions as to as to where it can go or or what yeah, it can do. like there's no there's no limit to to um how rich that kind of framework of, of restrictions and permissions you can make and i think when when you if you start thinking about like decentralized exchanges so you, you can have exchanges that actually aren't owned or operated by anyone potentially in the future and and the the terms of the smart contracts themselves can be determinative like they, they can be literally the only internal logic uh, the only like internal rules of the system aren't determined by say OpenSea, but they can be determined by content creators themselves whenever they yeah, cool. release this artwork into the world right and so that can then determine where it can you know the, the rules of, of how it can be exchanged and moved about and so you can see the, the power shifting potentially further away from the centralized yeah, yeah. And more in favor of the artist as this becomes more um uh developed yeah that's really exciting you, you might even be like you know I don't want my art to be sold to anyone over the age of seven. That's what I was literally thinking. I was like, like you have got to prove your you got to prove your age. The restrictions. I'm like, can this I mean, art it could be only dis- be sold to but it also could be like under cool twenty five year olds. Yeah, like I don't want really rich old people just to monopolize yeah. my art. <laughs> but, it could, but it could be something like uh, like determining like if you want people to pay per play or pay per read or something like like things like that. You, you can kind yeah. of control how how it becomes used and, and deployed. And uh, yeah, I think that, that in itself is quite unique. But I'd, I'd be interested yeah. also, um, because I'm, I'm not um, particularly familiar with this, but um, James, if you can explain a little bit about how how you create NFTs. Yeah, I mean, there, it's honestly, it amazes me how easy it is nowadays. Like I think maybe maybe even, it's, it's moved on so quickly, like maybe six months ago it was hard, but yeah. we did it the other day. I reckon it took me an hour. And what sort of files? Got, what sort of files can you can you upload or OpenSea, which I used, accepted several files. I mean, JPEG and PNG, which are the two most common image files, were fine. I was able to use them. I'm pretty sure you can do an uh, MP4 file, so you can make a video as well. Um, right. You can do you can do a, a GIF as well. Um, I think there are a few more. But you literally, Henry, you make so the hardest part is setting up your own cryptocurrency wallet through, which is like probably would be the most out there thing for someone to do. Yeah. But they help you through it. Um, and essentially your cryptocurrency wallet is your login. So you've got to be able, you've got to know the keys to your cryptocurrency wallet if you want to access yeah. your OpenSea account. Like you don't have a username and a password. You just have your OpenSea wallet. Um, yeah. And that is your, that is your, so you just have your MetaMask wallet, which is a cryptocurrency wallet yeah. that just can sit in a browser like Chrome. Yeah, it's like a browser Chrome. plugin. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and essentially just sets up a wallet for you. And then um, you've got to, you know, write down your, I don't know how many, how it's like a 36 hexadecimal place mm. key that you got to remember that. And um, I just use a password manager to do that, which is probably the easiest way to do it. Um, and that's how you get in. And then once you have your cryptocurrency wallet set up, you can just literally make a profile for yourself, upload a JPEG or PNG or a GIF and yep. just put it on the marketplace. You set the price. How interesting. And I mean, like Amy's, Amy and I did it. I mean, we just literally, I found a random, one of her random old images of one of her love notes and I just put it uh, on my computer and I just put it up there. Um, we just did it as an experiment. Um, yeah. It hasn't sold. Yeah. I don't, I just, I'm interested in like how you get it seen. Like, is this yeah. about like marketing, like you'd market any other type of art? Like it's I think it is. Like, I mean, yeah. there's an, there would be an algorithm on OpenSea that, and it's promoting certain things, but they tend to be like, you know, whatever weird crypto community thing. I mean, it's such a new thing, right? Like, yeah. only weird crypto people are in it right now, basically. 
which is why yeah. I love that we're talking about it because I just feel like you know it's so alienating for so many artists because it's such a different world and yeah. like I just want to make sure that like if you have a vague interest that you have like creators have an opportunity to jump in on a world which is not dominated by anyone apart from weird crypto nerds yeah and you can play around in a space that's obviously super new because as Henry was saying it's a huge bubble already like people are just paying crazy money for these things and like there's no, it's ridiculous. Laundering money. I mean, and we might touch on this, but um, there's definitely, you know, money laundering going on there. And there's definitely some dodgy stuff happening there, but it's just an immature market. Like it's going to be probably regulated at some point. Okay. We dropped out a little bit there, but that's okay. I think we should, we think we got it sorted. Um, Henry was talking about regulation with NFTs and the crypto space. Because we were talking about the money laundering and the money laundering. That's all you're talking about. Money laundering. A lot more time has passed than uh, maybe you might, Realize it's a <laughs> podcast, isn't it? <laughs> remember, remember exactly what I was doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I think with things like money laundering, uh, it, it's tricky, right? Because you're you're dealing with something which is essentially art, right? And and art is um, subjective in terms of its value, and so that's why it's a great tool for money laundering. Right? Because yeah. You can essentially sell something to yourself at an inflated value, and it's very difficult for someone to. Um, or, you know, ostensibly sell something to someone else, but it could be sort of yourself or <laughs> it's very hard for, for people to say, well, that, that piece of art isn't worth that. And so we're going to uh, sort of investigate you you for it. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, um, you know, if, if you're avoiding tax, paying taxes, or, or you're literally trying to hide your uh, ill-gotten gains um, and sort of clean them through through an NFT, Obviously, that's illegal, and and it would just be the case of regulators getting more adept at at, at being able to identify and, and track those things down. Uh, but I think NFTs themselves, um, when you think about how they're regulated, it, it really wouldn't be. So often, these new technologies, everyone kind of thinks that they sit outside of the realm of, of traditional uh, regulatory frameworks, but it's really just not the case. It's like if if you create digital um, artwork right now, or, or you and, and you try and you know sell it to someone or, or you mislead them about, you know, um, certain characteristics or qualities of, of the product that you're selling, all the, the regular kind of consumer protections that, that exist under law apply. Right. I mean, there's nothing, yeah, yeah. the fact that it, it can be sort of tokenized and deployed in a blockchain, I mean, um, the court, a court's not going to, to care about that. So, <laughs> so it, it still falls within, uh, within the ambit of, of existing sort of consumer protections and regulations, just like, um, crypto, I mean, regulations have been evolving and adapting to uh, adjust to, to the sort of nuances and um, quirks of, of cryptocurrencies. But the same framework of, of sort of financial services regulations and same requirements are still still apply and have always applied to, to cryptocurrencies. Um, mm. Yeah, as they do to, to more traditional financial products. So there's probably like, you know, there's probably a degree of criminality there because it's just a slightly less known space it might be slightly harder for people to track you down if you do something criminal but there's also genuine speculation and, and buying going on there probably as well is what absolutely probably, yeah. absolutely probably yeah 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 no exactly and it's really hard like it's super hard to to just because i would never pay an absurd value i mean i wouldn't pay some absurd values for a lot of pieces of, artwork, JPEG right? of a rock yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I wouldn't pay that for a, an NFT, but I also similarly wouldn't pay that for, um, you know, an, an artwork that I can hang on my wall. Yeah. So it's very hard. Again, you're dealing with something that's that's super subjective, and it gets harder, I think, with NFTs than it was with more traditional cryptocurrencies to talk about underlying value because 
uh, art is is so subjective. Yeah. Um, and with, with with like more traditional cryptocurrencies, essentially how often how a lot of them often operate is kind of like as an internal um, medium of exchange within this kind of micro economy that they've created, and that's essentially what a lot of cryptocurrencies are. And, and you can point to the the value of that micro economy and say, well the value of, of that microeconomy, which is essentially functioning as a business, the, the, the value of the token is so far disconnected from the utility being offered by that <laughs> microeconomy or business that, that, that you can say it's, 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 you know, massively inflated and, yeah. and you can argue they're in a bubble when it, when it comes to NFTs, I think it gets harder to do that. Yeah. Maybe we can just touch on a second, how cryptocurrency <laughs> actually relates to NFTs. Um, and that's, I mean, I'm happy to cover this one. Um, yeah, you don't mind right. but it's just especially like if you want to use if you want to mint an NFT, you need to use a crypto or you need to use a blockchain. And the most commonly available blockchains are built on uh, built using with cryptocurrencies attached to them. So like Ethereum is a blockchain, and you need to use a little bit of Ethereum every time you want to do something on it. Uh, you need to use some Ether every time you want to operate on Ethereum. <laughs> so every time you want to publish an NS, um, mint an NFT, you've essentially got to buy a little bit of Ethereum or Ether so that you can use that little bit of Ether to interact with the blockchain. That's essentially why we, why what cryptocurrencies have to do with it. That's why we're talking about cryptocurrencies in the same sentences as we're talking about NFTs yeah. and blockchains. Why they relate? Yes, totally. Yeah. yeah, and so like you say, when if you want to um, deploy a sort of smart contract or, or a, I don't know, a digital file onto the, onto the blockchain to facilitate its transfer within that blockchain, like you say, James, you've got to pay the network for the privilege, right? And the way you do that is is through the token, and so it's kind of um, all packaged up and then. Uh, yeah, released onto the blockchain that way. So, so the cryptocurrencies, and that's why Ethereum was a sort of a, a revolution mm. in cryptocurrencies. Was that it, it is fully programmable, right? So you you can embed very rich content uh, into the tokens that get um, exchanged within uh, within the system, whereas Bitcoin didn't didn't allow that functionality. And so that's why I think crypto is evolving to, and and as it evolves, uh, it starts to swallow up things like artwork and allows. Uh, nfts to, to exist yeah yeah interesting um we need to touch on i mean a lot of people are very concerned about the environment they environmental are, yeah. impact of nfts um i don't know how much you know about it henry i'm happy to talk about it myself because i've done a little bit of reading on it Please. um but you know ethereum at the moment which is the main programmable blockchain um the most used one does have a large environmental impact because they the way that they essentially validate the network the way that they make transaction, transactions happen is this thing called proof of work. It's very computationally heavy, requires specific GPUs, um, requires these big server farms often, um, which use a lot of power. Um, and yes, it is. if you want to mint an NFT right now on Ethereum, using Ethereum, it does have a large carbon footprint. That being said, um, Amy and I actually didn't use Ethereum to do our mint our mm-hmm. NFT. We used a uh, blockchain called Polygon, which is related to Ethereum. It's a... It's a um, we call a layer two solution, which is essentially so it's helping Ethereum to scale, and it uses a different system called proof of stake, which you don't really need to know a lot about, except that it's ninety nine point nine percent uses ninety nine point nine percent less, or maybe more, um, or fewer less energy than that. So it's like significantly less carbon intensive to Ethereum. Yeah, and Ethereum itself is transitioning to the same system, which is proof of stake. They haven't done it yet, but no one knows exactly when they're going to do it. But it's, very, it's probably soon, sooner rather than later. Um, and that will open up the world's biggest programmable blockchain to also be quite gentle on the environment, which is my understanding of it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. whenever we talk about it, 
that's the biggest piece of resistance. Or oh, there's two big pieces of resistance when we talk about NFTs. It's one, I don't fucking understand. Or two, like, I know that it's environmentally really taxing. Um, so it is important to know that there are ways to do it without being environmentally taxing. Yeah, and also the, the cool thing about Polygon is it's way cheaper than Ethereum just because it's a they use slightly different technology, which makes it just essentially faster and, and have um, more affordable transactions than Can Ethereum. That's a stupid question. Yeah. It doesn't make the NFT like less valuable. No, not at all. Polygon. Yeah, okay, cool. I mean, there might be some prestige in using ETH. I think like some subjective prestige in putting it on ETH, on mm. Ethereum, but um, I mean, that would only be subjective. But I suppose it depends. If, if the, the NFT itself is... Uh, but by dint of the the smart contract that it's um, relying on, if if it needs to be bought and sold using a different cryptocurrency um, to facilitate it, its exchange and its movement within that blockchain, then then it could right because you you could if, if the value of that that underlying currency uh, comes right down or, or even if it becomes worthless, it just becomes hard. It might become a lot harder to sell it or yeah. its value it might be undermined that way. You're absolutely right. Um, so yeah. the blockchain itself doesn't really matter in terms of it won't affect the quality of the product. Yeah. Um, but the internal currency, which is used to facilitate exchange on that blockchain system itself, could be undermined or, or yeah. Devalued. And you're right because the, you know Polygon is much newer, <clears> for example. And there are other one, other things, other like um, uh, Solana. I just want to disclaimer that i own a lot of these cryptocurrencies so i don't want to like i don't want people to see this as either investment advice or like i hope you don't rush out and just go and buy all of the cryptocurrencies i'm shilling here but um just understand that um they uh are newer than ethereum and they may have vulnerabilities we don't know about you could someone could hack them and they could take all your take everything from them like this has happened before um so newer mm. i mean ethereum is a bit older and a bit more secure you would think um, when are they going to do this proof of stake thing they should do it now well they've got it i mean if you want me to go into it amy they've um it's all there they've developed it they're just sort of essentially this is they're just um giving everyone time to yeah. get ready and adjust to the net- new network should hurry up because they're getting a very bad name for being very environmentally I, I would, dubious it's it's months not years okay but yeah yeah interesting you would think i mean yeah. it's very i think it's, it's i mean essentially they were they're designing a new whole new internet from scratch. It's like extremely complex. Yeah. And people, and, and people and like, it's like, it's like imagine it's... unlike the fossil fuel industry, for example, there's just a, a there's a, just a really easy way to transition away from intensive energy consumption. And that's just shifting to proof of stake. Yeah. But you don't really have to understand how yeah. blockchains work, I think, too. No, so I don't think so. Get what's so, happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's almost everything I wanted to cover here. Um, I suppose maybe just like a final word on on whether you think like if you were an artist, would you be excited about? Yeah, would you be excited? Do you think it is exciting, or do you think it's been blown up? I I think at the moment it, it's been blown up. I think it has really exciting potential. Mm. Uh, I think I think like any new digital asset class, we'll go through a big bubble and hype phase. Yeah, and yeah. then we'll slowly work our way down the. The hype cycle and, and we'll discover real value there. Yeah. Um, I think it does have potential to shift power away from centralized uh, intermediaries and back toward artists. Yeah. Um, but that that that's more of the inf- an infrastructure issue rather than a NFT issue per yeah. se. But I think the combination of the two, we could get that right in the future. Uh, and I think right now, I think the the real promise and the, the sort of valuable first use cases for NFTs are in asset classes where scarcity is yes. like integral to, to their value yeah. uh, generally. And, yeah. and so I don't, I don't think like just digitizing online files and, and things is, is itself going to be a massive game changer. Um, yeah. But I think there is, there is potential there down the track. 
Yeah. I think especially if you can if you can be known as a digital artist and people will just people will I mean it's like everything. I mean we've talked about this offline before, Henry, like pricing is always subjective. And Amy was talking about this today on her Instagram. Like it's so hard to price things. I mean, people economists had to pretend it's some kind of like algorithm, but it really is very ephemeral and um kind of particularly with art. Yeah. Yeah, particularly with art. So it's like, you know, there's no reason that it can't there can't be a market for this sort of art, even if it does seem a bit weird and wonderful to you. Mm, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I think just to sign off, I just want to um I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but um Henry he also has a, a side business, which is um he provides legal help for small businesses and artists. The best. I do. Yeah. Um we work with Henry, we've had friends who've worked with Henry. He is uh, a really affordable, really quick way for you if you need any help, um, especially with your website, like your TNCs. I mean, you can talk about it a little bit if you want, Henry. Um, I'll, I can throw it over sure, to you. Sure, yeah. No, I mean, I, I just I had a, a business when I was going through uni to, to help uh, fund some of my studies. And uh, through that, I've, I've worked with some some awesome artists and uh, uh, sort of side hustlers and, and help them get get going with with all the sort of boring legal stuff that, yeah. that you have to deal with and, and think about. And uh, I can kind of, uh, yeah, take it off people's hands and, and help them along their, their journey. So that was basically the, the vision. Um, so good. Yeah, and I, thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll link to it in the show notes. If yeah, so if to... anyone needs any legal help, any T's and C's website stuff, like Hen's your guy, like he's, it's just the best. It's too boring to think about. Make Henry think about it instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, should be my, that should be my slogan, actually. Too boring yeah. to think about. I'll think Make about Henry it. Think about. <laughs> thank you so much, Hen. It's so good to chat. Thank you, Hen. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. Pleasure. Pleasure.